to another episode of It's Personal. Uh, the last book I wrote was heavy. All right. Hey, Gary. This is Evie. Uh, my name is Randy Rebine. Uh, but my name is Jared Krasoski. I don't think I'm a person that curses a lot. Heart is about to end. I'm excited. Hi. Hello, Gary. Thank you for having me. I'm Debbie Michiko Florence, author of Middle Grade, a chapter book series, and soon a picture book biography. Debbie, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Just before we came on, I was talking about how I met you in Singapore, and it's been so much has happened (laughs) since Singapore, (laughs) I'm assuming both of our lives. I'm excited just to see what else has been going on. Um, but I want to start with just like, how are you doing? I know that the world has been not kind to a lot of different families and groups of people. Um, how how are things going? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Um, they're going. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll have mm-hmm. to say the worst of it is not uh, being able to see my family, my uh my mom, my daughter, my stepson, and my sister's family are all on the West Coast, and my husband mm-hmm. and I are on the East Coast. And it's been a year and a half since I've seen my daughter and my mom, which is the longest wow. I've ever gone. So I would say that's the worst part of it. Um, otherwise, you know, my husband and I have been doing quite well. We we both have our own business as well. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a writer. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, in my head before I started, uh, before I got published, I had this romanticized version of what being an author was like. Uh, I imagine like a Jane Austen with her shawl in her mm-hmm. attic, just writing solitarily all the time. Um, and of course, that's not what it's like. Uh, I love all the other aspects, the promotion, the school visits and meeting readers and going to bookstores st- and festivals. But um I don't think I was prepared for that. So at the beginning at the shelter in place, um, I was able to do that. I was holed up in my, what I call my word nest where I do all my writing. And um, I wrote and I wrote well. Um, Well, you know what I mean? I was able Mm -hmm. to be very productive. And, um, but I'll have to say a year past that now, I'm struggling because now, you know, I miss, the community, getting together with other writers at conferences and festivals, and seeing my mm-hmm. friends. So it's been harder on the back end than it was in the front end for me. Yeah, I can only imagine. And I've heard that from lots of different people just in general that they, they like oddly enough, started to feel comfortable and it was getting so much work done. And then over time, as you mentioned, you, you do feel the loss of simple things, um, let alone the family members that you don't get to see, um, walking outside, visiting um, neighborhoods or parks or just your favorite coffee shop, like things like that, um, yeah. that we often get to do that usually gives us like peace of mind and Definitely. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're doing okay. Um, I hope that you are able to see your family soon because it's just really important um, to, yes. to a lot of people, and I can tell that it's very important to you. So um, I'm just hoping things work out, hopefully. Thank you. Me too. Fingers crossed soon. Yeah. <laughs> you, you talk a lot about family, and I want to focus on that a little bit because um, I'm wondering how much has family kind of influenced 
um, you and the work that you do or the work in reverse? Um, I, I feel very lucky in that my uh, parents have always been supportive of whatever it was that I wanted to do. Um, so I, my mom saved all my writing. I started writing stories when I was six years old. And when I do school visits, um, as you may remember, I show one of the early stories that I wrote when I was six years old. And um, I always felt like my parents, like if I wanted a book, I was very lucky in that they never said no to a book I wanted. And we went to the library, I think every week, we would walk to the library and I would get to check out as many books as I wanted. The drawback being that I had to carry them all <laughs> all the way home and they were heavy. Uh, but I felt like that reading and writing and being creative was very much encouraged. My dad read to me uh, when I was young. I would pick books um, and just make him read them over and over and he never complained. So I feel like in that way, they were so supportive. Um, the thing that was uh, challenging for me, once I was ready to go to college, I didn't really connect that being an author could be a job. Uh, back in the day, we didn't have internet, and I don't think we ever had author visits. So while I loved reading and writing, I never thought to myself, well, that's what I want to do with my life. And I was the first one in my family to go to college. So, you know, I don't want to be stereotypical, but, you know, that Japanese American mindset of be a lawyer or be a doctor was pretty much <laughs> encouraged when I was going to college. And neither of those things appealed to me. So I loved animals. I loved writing. I loved reading and I loved animals. And that's another thing my parents always encouraged me. I don't know about encouraged, um, allowed mm -hmm. me to have as many pets as I wanted. They were not often happy. Like I brought a snake home once and that was not a happy <laughs> occasion for my parents that freaked them out but they didn't like you know they let me keep pets so I went to college and I studied uh, zoology and with a minor in English so my path took me down a different way away from writing and I um, got my degree in zoology and then I went back to school and I got my teacher's certificate and I taught fifth grade for a very short time in Los Angeles and then I got a job at a zoo as an associate curator of education. So I got to uh, integrate both my love for animals and teaching. And during all this time, I kept writing, but I was writing for myself. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I got married to my husband and his job took us to Mexico City, I couldn't take my job with me. And I thought, what else do I want to do? And that's when I decided to pursue writing for a publication. And like I said, my family was always like, whatever I want to do, they were like, oh, go you, you're wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so in that way, I feel like my family was amazing. And, you know, my sister and now my daughter, um, yeah, never once, and my husband, never once did they ever say, wow, it's taking you a long time uh, to get published. It took me 15 years uh, to get published. And not once did anyone in my family say, you know, you should pack it away and you should try something else. So I feel very wow. lucky in that way. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I love hearing that story. And Debbie, you are so versatile. Like, <laughs> holy cow, you have so many hats that you carry. Um, and just to hear that you have been able to be so flexible in your interests. 
and pursuing different things just makes me so excited. And we don't have enough time, but I'd love to eventually at some point dig into all those things. Um, you mentioned something that I've heard a lot and you, you shared about like the Japanese mindset. Um, living in Southeast Asia, I've heard a lot of this um, from parents and we've had conversations through on the school. Do you mind touching a little bit more on that? And what do you, what does that mean? What does that look like um, for families? Well, I'm third generation. So what that means is my grandparents were born in Japan and immigrated to the United States, to California. And both my parents were born uh, in the United States. Uh, and then my sister and I were born in the US. So uh, we're third generation. What's interesting about both of my parents is they're Kibei, which means they spent a big chunk of their time living in Japan. So they do have some of the characteristics of, um, well, I'm third generation. So what that means is my grandparents were born in Japan and immigrated to the United States, to California. And both my parents were born uh, in the United States. Uh, and then my sister and I were born in the US. So uh, we're third generation. What's interesting about both of my parents is they're Kibei, which means they spent a big chunk of their time living in Japan. So they do have some of the characteristics of um, uh, immigrant uh, parents, only in the sense that they carry a lot of the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like values, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, so my dad and his family were interned during World War II. Uh, and when they got out of the uh, uh, camps, they had nothing. So they ended up moving back to Japan. So my dad spent from uh, the time he was maybe, uh, maybe nine or 10, all the way until he was 18 in Japan. And my mom, conversely, she was uh, one or two and they, my grandma and my mom and her family went back to Japan to visit a sick relative and then the war broke out and they couldn't come back. So she spent from the age of two till about 12 in Japan. So in that way, they raised my sister and me um, with, you know, a lot of Japanese values of the, you know, work hard and uh, keep quiet, don't make waves, don't bring attention to yourselves, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and study hard and do well because they wanted us to succeed and, you know, have a better life than they did. But mm -hmm. also, we were very American, my sister and I. We grew up in Los Angeles at a time when there was a lot of diversity in school and friends of all backgrounds, but a lot of Asian American friends, Japanese American friends. Uh, so, I don't know. I feel like I lived the in both worlds. I had the benefit of both worlds. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of my Asian American friends talk about uh, growing up and feeling, you know, othered maybe, you know, being mm -hmm. the only Asian face or one of the few. And I just did not grow up that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't until I moved out of California that I had that experience. I think I went off topic there. <laughs> no, I think that's perfect. And I think it's a good segue into what I was going to ask next. And one of the reasons, one of the things I love about this podcast in itself is that we hear different stories. And hearing a story about you seeing kids that look like you in your school is important. Mm -hmm. And I don't often yes. hear that. And I think that's so important because I 
I really want to hear more about what that felt like because I can only imagine you having that connection at a young age, hanging out with people that are doing the same things as you, um, eating the same things as you, reading the same things as you. Like, I think that's just so important. And to have that at an early age, um, I can only imagine how special that was for you. Um, Could you talk about maybe a friend that you had or um, a situation that you had that you remember that um, made that time special for you? Oh my goodness. Well, it's interesting because I took it all for granted Hmm. and it wasn't until as an adult now and especially uh, around everything that's happening and talking to uh, Asian American friends that I realized how fortunate I was. And I did, Mm -hmm. I had a huge group of, you know, friends from all different backgrounds, but a lot of Japanese American friends. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to make it sound like, oh, she was so popular, but it was just like yeah. we had this large, we had this large friend group that we did things with. And I also had to go to Japanese school. My parents sent me to Japanese school. So that means every day after school, I went to a different school in where I learned Japanese. And at first I really enjoyed it when I was in elementary school, but I really didn't like it when I was in middle school because a lot of my friends got to do things like join clubs or hang out after school together and I felt like I was missing out on that but um you know I just I my memories are just all of like big friend groups and hanging out and not Mm -hmm. feeling different but also being able to talk about being Japanese American Mm -hmm. like my friends and I used to wear shirts that said things in Japanese, you know, like That's Ichiban, cool. right? Cool. And But today yeah. I feel like I wouldn't want to wear something like that and walk around. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just... I totally get it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love hearing that. And I think it's, it's, it's cool because we, as an international school, we do have that. Um, I think it, it's interesting because... <laughs> the roles are almost reversed a little bit in the sense where like if you are coming from America because we have expat kids, they are the kids that are often they don't have kids that look like them very much. Um uh, yeah. I have maybe two or three kids that um identify as white. Um I have maybe one or two kids um within like the last four years that I've been teaching that identify as like black. So it's it's interesting because a lot of the Asian groups have their friendships and then all of the kids that have traveled from America um, are, I wouldn't say they're struggling, but they don't see a lot of people that look like them. So it's very interesting. Um, yeah, it's like international school. It is flipped. It is flipped. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to watch, um, but I also think that they're getting a really great experience seeing so many different people because for the most part, I think that's something we have to to just accept that there are people that are different than us, and yeah. we need to we need to understand who they are, um, why they're different, their opinions, etc. Um, and again, it seems like you you got that experience early on, which is again so valuable, so so valuable. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I want to continue to talk a little bit more about um, about family. What is family look like for you today in regards to your family, um, in regards to your household? If someone was to visit, if someone was to pop in or be a fly on the wall, what would they see? 
<laughs> a lot of animals. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, my husband and I, um, our children are grown up. Um, we, uh, it's a second marriage for both of us. So I have a stepson and um, then I have my daughter, but they live on the West coast. They don't live with us. So our house is myself, my husband and um, a dog, a rabbit, and a duck. <laughs> awesome. Do they have names? They do. So Kiku is our dog, and Kiku means chrysanthemum in Japanese. And Aki is the bunny, and Aki means autumn in Japanese. And Darcy is the duck, and he lives outside. And there was a Lizzie, so Jane Austen fan here. There was a Darcy and a Lizzie, and unfortunately, Lizzie died about a year and a half ago. But, um, yep, that's, and we we'll joke around about how many other pets we want, but this is a, all we can handle right now. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That is so cool. That is so cool. And I think my, my other question for you is, um, it does relate to your books, and teaching third grade, we often try to find um representation in text and your your name all, always pops up based on Aww. the work that you've done um and i want to talk a little bit about um some of the the books that you write for kids and how do you come up with those stories and um how do you develop them in a way that really just relates to kids um and how do they continue to show up on bookshelves <laughs> as well <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll tell you, when I first started out writing, I wanted to write YA. And that was, you know, um, gosh, 20 years ago when I started out with the hope of being published. And all my books um, featured a Japanese-American main character. And the books I grew up with and loved were uh, like Judy Bloom and Paul Zindel. And there were stories about just regular kids, contemporary kids, um, but there's always like a, maybe a thread of romance, like, you know, a crush or something like that, and always friendship. Friendship fascinates me. So um, almost all my stories um, feature friendship and when appropriate, not in the chapter books, but in the middle grade, uh, a thread of romance. And, um, but I never saw those books with Asian American, Japanese American characters when I was growing up. So um, I wrote those and I couldn't get those published. Um, and I wondered if it was because, you know, they publishing wanted Asian American characters if they were like multicultural, you know, quote unquote, um, you know, about internment or about the World War II or about struggling with fitting in, things like that. And it could also be that I wasn't a very good writer back then. It took me a while to, to like <laughs> figure it all out. But uh, when I came up with the idea for the Jasmine Taguchi books, um, it was very much integrated with, you know, Jasmine is a third grade girl growing up in Los Angeles, but also with very strong ties with her Japanese culture. And I think having those two melded together it's a story about friendship and family first and foremost but also this layer of japanese american culture and that's what i try to do with all my books because that's who i am i feel very americanized but also there's that layer that you can't take away i'm japanese american 
And um, I think in that way, you know, you can't just say, oh, this character is named uh, with a Japanese name and then, but they're very American and just write it like that. Because I think mm -hmm. there's nuances, right? With every culture, not just Asian American or Japanese. There's nuances and layers. And that's where I write from a very authentic place of who I am and it finds their way into my stories. I love that. I love it. And I, I feel like, and I guess not, I don't want to say all authors, but I do feel like with you at least, there's so many bits and pieces of Jasmine, um, um, so many bits and pieces of you in Jasmine, just not even <laughs> knowing you personally, I can just tell how, I, I feel like as you, the way you're writing um, and how specific it is, um, even though it is for third grade, which I feel is, your writing is so perfect for third grade and about oh, thank because you. it's so specific yet so fun um, and humorous. Like I think hearing your hearing Jasmine's story and how she continues to connect to her culture is just so fascinating for me. Um, and I love giving Thank you. my students your books because I just know <laughs> every time that they're going to get something out of it. So I oh, really appreciate that. Thank you so that. much. No, oh, I, really I appreciate that. Thank that. you. <laughs> <laughs> I have just a few more questions for you, if that's okay. Of course. Yeah, um, I think this one is a question I love to ask simply because I think it's cool to see again outside of the author and um, the writer that you are. What are some of your things you do for joy besides playing with your multiple pets? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, are we talking during the pandemic? <laughs> You know what? I think we can let's we can talk um, during and maybe if let's I, I think we can also start to talk a little bit about before the pandemic started also. Yeah. So during uh, the things I find joy in as uh, pure escapism, I'm watching a lot of um, K dramas <laughs> mm. and mm -hmm. a lot of Japanese um, anime. So um, that's. I'm watching TV, I'm, of course, reading a lot. I am um, a runner, so I run. I'm not a great runner, but I, I find a lot of joy in that. And um, I'm also a meditator and, um, you know, and I eat. So <laughs> my husband does the cooking awesome. and I take great joy in eating. <laughs> <laughs> that is so great. What is your, what is your husband like? Like, what is his, like, dish like what does he like to make oh my goodness um so many things uh I love I can't even think of any right now I love when he makes osobuko he makes these really he makes really great gyoza the dumplings Japanese dumplings mm -hmm. uh, well I don't know just everything I love everything he makes that is so good <laughs> That is so good. It's nice to have someone around that can cook. That's for sure. My goodness, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to do the dishes. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Debbie, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Um, I want to ask what's next, but I'm always always very um, mindful of asking that question because I know that um, that's a lot of pressure. Um, but I also want to know um, where people can find you. So if there's something next you want to share, that's great. Um, if not, where can people find you? 
Well, I've got lots of next coming up. Um, I feel very blessed. So let me just be clear. It took me 15 years of many rejections um, to get where I am now. But um, today I have 17 books published. I have, I think, seven or eight more coming out in the next two or three years. I've got uh, like a middle grade novel, Just Be Cool, Jenna Sakai which is a companion to my first middle grade novel, uh, Keep It Together, Keiko Carter, coming out this August. I have my first picture book biography that I co-authored with uh, Jamie Michalik and illustrated by Yuko Jones on uh, Niki Nakayama, Chef Niki Nakayama coming out this year. And currently I'm working on uh, revising the next novel that's coming out next year which has not been announced yet but i will share with your listeners uh is called sweet and sour uh a story about uh childhood friendship and betrayal and forgiveness wow i love that title wow (laughs) i love that title so much i'm just so impressed and again i think it really again shows your versatility like we talked about it before in regards to you and your interest and your dedication to those things and now it's showing up so much in your writing like to be able to have a picture book do novels for middle grade for um, elementary like I think that is just so impressive um thank you Uh, I I feel lucky yeah yeah. and I and as a as someone who's an educator I just really appreciate the work that you're doing I really do Debbie where can people find you online um, if you go to my website, which is debbiemichikoflorence.com, um, and I have links there to Twitter and Instagram as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so this much. This was fun. Yeah, that was